Would you go with me to John 11? John chapter 11. I'm going to begin reading in verse 17. I want you to follow along in your copy of God's Word. I hope you brought your copy of God's Word today and and turn in it with us to John 11, beginning in verse 17. Follow along as I read through verse 27. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we open your word before our hearts and minds today, our, our hearts, I pray, will be open. God, I pray. Open our hearts and minds to see and hear your truth very clearly. God, I pray that you would overpower the spirit of darkness at work in this world to veil the truth from our eyes. God, help us to not lose sight of the truths of your word. Help us to not lose faith in them. Help us to look and believe. What a wonderful passage here we just read when Martha declares, Yes, Lord, I believe. Father, I pray that that would be the cry of our hearts today as we open your truth before our eyes and before our hearts and before our minds and lives. Help us to see and believe and obey and be strengthened in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Question for you this morning. And maybe you've never thought about this before in this way. Does your faith, does your faith put limits on God? And here's what I mean. Do you say with, and I heard you sing some of these truths this morning, do you say with great boldness, I believe in God's promises. I believe. I have faith in God. And then do you at times take stock of your situation and say, well, I believe, but I'm not sure God's going to do anything about this, or I'm not sure what he's doing. I believe, but I'm not sure. You know, I think more of us than not would agree 
that we often find our faith mixed with doubt. Yeah? We find our faith, we have faith, we say we believe, I believe in God's word, I believe that he works, I believe he's in control, but often our faith is mixed with doubt. I think that's where we find Martha this morning. Maybe you didn't notice it, maybe you've never thought about that. I think that's where we find Martha in the account before us this morning. And before, you know, just say before we question Martha here in her faith, before we question her faith, whether it was mixed or not with doubt, we ought to examine our own lives this morning. Can we do that? As we read the text and we examine it together again, can we do this with this in mind, that, that, that this, this text needs to speak to, to my heart? You realize that that's what God intends to do in your, your life today, and every time you open the truths of Scripture before your eyes, that God wants to do a work in your heart. He wants to do a work in your mind, in your life. And so before we say, well, Martha, poor Martha, why didn't she have more faith? Maybe we ought to be asking, why don't I have more faith? Can we do that today? You should not get me wrong. I think we believe, and I have a great hope in you and great encouragement from what I hear from you, that you hope in God, that you trust in God. And I believe that, that we believe God is able, right? to do whatever he desires, and he can accomplish great things in our lives when we trust in him, and I believe we believe that. And we believe God can do anything, but in our particular circumstances, the kind of faith we have is such, often, I think, that we don't see him working in this situation. Can he work in this situation? This one, this is a toughie. <laughs> this one is difficult. Is God going to show up and, and work here? We've asked a couple of questions so far of chapter 11. Already we've asked a couple of questions like, like why did Jesus wait? When he heard that Lazarus was ill, why did he wait? Why did Jesus not go as soon as he heard Lazarus was ill? Or why did he not simply say the word, you know, say the word with the disciples, you know, uh, when it, remember when the disciples said, uh, are you sure you want to go there? Because weren't they just trying to stone you there recently? I mean, why didn't Jesus just say the word from where he was and, and restore Lazarus' health? And I think we hear the answers from Jesus very clearly in the text. The first reason for not immediately doing something about Lazarus' illness, we saw it back in verse 4 when Jesus says, look at verse 4 again, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Why did Jesus wait? Jesus waited because there was something of the glory of God that needed to be displayed so that, and, and here's the next thing, and we who have placed our trust in Christ say, you know, I, I want God to be glorified in my life. I want God to be glorified. 1 Corinthians 10.31, right? With everything that I do and say, whether I eat or drink, I want, I want God to get the glory. And I trust that what He's doing in my difficult circumstances is for His glory and my good. Right? We say that. And sometimes we struggle with that. I think the second reason we hear from Jesus in verses 14 and 15 for His delay, though, ties into that challenge for us. He says in verses 14 and 15, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. 
So Jesus did not hurry to Lazarus' side so that his disciples, his followers would believe. And here's the idea, so that they would grow in their faith, so that they would be strengthened in their faith as they walk with Christ. But it's possible that at the same time we're saying, you know, I I want God to be glorified and I want my faith to be strengthened. We may also be like Martha who in her mind, in her mind she kind of put limits on God. She put limits on what Jesus could do. We may be like her, knowing knowing many truths about the Scriptures, knowing many truths and proclaiming, yes, I believe this about God. I believe this about Jesus Christ. Knowing these truths, saying that these are ours. I possess these truths. They're mine. I, I depend upon them. And yet, at the same time, failing to have present hope in Him. Hope for today. We fail at that sometimes, don't we? We need to be strengthened in that. And I think that's one of the purposes of the, of the passage before us, to help strengthen us as we see what Martha went through and we see her grow in her faith. We too will be strengthened and challenged by this, I hope, because we may proclaim our belief in God's promises, but do those promises produce present hope? When you say, I believe, do you have present hope? Hope for today to help you through today's challenges and trials and struggles, I think there's a glimpse here for us and a look at our own lives at times as we see this present hope in in Christ missing in Martha. Verse 17 tells us that when Jesus came, Lazarus had been in a tomb. How long? Four days. Now, traditionally, Jews bury their dead on the same day they pass away. It's four days later. Also, traditionally, this is the time after the family has had time to mourn in private when those from the community and their their friends would come to console them, console the family. And it's during this time of, of consoling from their neighbors and friends and acquaintances, it's during this time when the neighbors have come to console Martha and Mary at the death of Lazarus that, that this word is received that, that Jesus is coming. And no sooner, sooner had the word been delivered and Martha was off to see Jesus. And, and verse 21, I think, gives the first glimpse of the state of Martha's faith. Look at verse 21. It's a faith, I think, that speaks of what could have been. There's faith, but it's a faith that kind of thinks about and talks about what could have been. Look at verse 21 again. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, some might hear this and suggest Martha is lightly scolding Jesus for not having been there. I don't think that's the case here. I don't think she's chewing Jesus out for not being there. Lazarus, think about this. Lazarus has been in the tomb four days by now. Even if Jesus had left the day he received word, he was far enough away that he would not have gotten there before Lazarus passed away. So she knows, you know, he couldn't have gotten here quick enough. But had you been here, I think I think what she's saying is more like what we say when something happens and we look back and say, you know, if I could have just done that, or if, or if I could have just said this, and isn't that fun to do when you say, if I could have just said this, you know, in that perfect timing, the words, if I, if I just had the right words, things would have turned out different. If I had just done this, things would have been different if... But, you know, if, if things, you know, had been done, done differently back then, things would be different now. I think that's kind of what, 
she's saying. She, she has faith, doesn't she? Do you see it? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have what? He would, he would not have died. She has faith. <laughs> she has faith. But when she looks back and says, if only, if only, hasn't she just limited what Jesus could or would do? Do you realize that? When she looks back and in effect, and we do the same thing, when we look back and in effect, if only, don't we put limits on what God will do? You could have prevented the death of Lazarus, Jesus, if only you had been here. Yes, there's faith there, I believe, and, and we ought to commend her for her faith, and we ought to learn to have faith in all, all circumstances like hers, but we, we too, like she needed, we need to be growing in our faith. Does she have faith in Jesus that gives her present hope? In effect, no. She looks back and says, if you had been here, if only. She doesn't have present hope in what Jesus can do, in what Jesus will do. And I wonder, do you ever find yourself there? Do you ever find yourself saying, I know, I know God can, but if only. I look back, and if God had only done this or done that, or if I had only done this or done that, do you find yourself doubting what Jesus will do now? Oh, how we ought not go there. Doubting what Jesus will do now. Today, in our lives today, we have great hope for our future in Christ, don't we? And we look to the to eternity and we say, oh, that will be the day when we see Christ. We sing those songs, right, that remind us of that truth. And we look to the Word and we have these precious promises that remind us of the hope that's ours in eternity. But what about today? There's also great hope in the promises of God for today. You realize that? I'm reminded of that truth by the boy in this story the school system in a large city had a program to help children keep up with their schoolwork during stays in the city's hospitals. One day, a teacher who was assigned to the program received a routine call asking her to visit a particular child. She took the child's name and room number and, and talked briefly with the child's regular class teacher. We're studying nouns and adverbs in his class now, the regular teacher said, and, and I'd be grateful if you could help him understand them so he doesn't fall too far behind. The hospital program teacher went to see the, the boy that afternoon. No one had mentioned to her that the boy had been badly burned and was in great pain. Upset at the sight of the boy, she stammered as she told him, I've uh, been sent by your school to help you with uh, nouns and adverbs. But she le uh, when she left, she felt she hadn't accomplished much. But the next day, a nurse asked her, what did you do to that boy? The teacher felt she, she must have done something wrong and began to apologize. No, no, said the nurse. You don't know what I mean. We've been worried about that little boy, but, but ever since yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back, responding to treatment. It's as though he's decided to live. Two weeks later, the boy explained that he had completely given up hope until the teacher arrived. Everything changed when he came to a simple realization. He expressed it this way. They wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? That's, that's present hope. Martha on that day showed her faith 
that Jesus could have done something had he been there. But she also seemed to be weak in her faith at the same time. That he could do something now. That he's there now and he could do something then and there. She had no present hope. I wonder, do you face your difficulties like that? We're we're prone to, aren't we? Well, my glass is half empty. I know, you know, what could have been. But you know what? God reminds you. He declares to you in his word, he will never leave you or forsake you. Not in the past, not in the present, not in the future. He will never leave you or forsake you. Great is thy faithfulness, we sing. Yes? Strength for when? Today. (laughs) Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Sometimes we overemphasize tomorrow and forget about today, don't we? Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. And yes, there are tens of thousands of blessings which are ours in Christ, and they're not all saved for tomorrow. And they're not all saved for eternity, are they? There are tens of thousands of blessings which are ours, and God is not keeping them to himself. Not only is there hope in Christ for eternity, there's hope in Christ for today. You need to see that in God's word. You need to see that in your own life, and so do I. Martha needed to see that. Jesus was there to teach her. Verse 22 gives another glimpse of the state of Martha's faith. It's a, I think it's a faith that speaks of what God could do if asked by Jesus. Look at verse 22. This is a faith that speaks of, here's, here's what God can do if Jesus would ask. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Whatever you ask from God, God will give you. You hear it? We would say she has faith. She does, doesn't she? We need faith like hers. Whatever I pray in accordance to God, God's will, he will give. Whatever Jesus prays and asks for from the Father, the Father gives. Martha has faith, but it's only faith that God will answer Jesus' prayers. Is she right? Yes, she is. She is right that God will answer Jesus' prayers, but is that the whole truth? No. It seems she doesn't understand that that this same power that she credits to God is also the power that Jesus has. He too has the power to save life and prevent death. It's, It's also possessed by Jesus, just as God possesses it. And Martha had a measure of faith, yes, but she she needed to know more about Christ, didn't she? She needed to know more of Christ. And I think we do too. Certainly we do. And we learn of Christ as we open the Scriptures, and we need to behold Him in the Scriptures and look for Him there. From, from the beginning of the old to the end of the new, we see Christ. We see why He came and why He suffered and why He died for our sins. And oh, we need to see more of Christ. I think like Martha needed to see more of Christ. And when we hope only in what God can do and not take great hope in what He will do, we too need to know more about Jesus, don't we? We need to take great hope in Him, great hope for today. More about Jesus would I know, right? More, more about Jesus proclaims the song and how true it is.
So what do we need to know about Jesus to be strengthened with present hope? Well, I think we need what Martha needed, and, and Jesus so graciously and patiently in his reply uh, gives her an answer that points her, simply points her to the truth and points her in the right direction. There's, there's no rebuke here on Jesus' part. There's, there's no scolding here for not having known better. He says in verse 23, your brother will rise again. Martha, your brother will rise again. And and what does she think? She thinks probably what we would have thought in that situation had we known what she knew. And she thinks Jesus means on that day when all who trust in Christ shall rise, right? And she says in verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And that's another glimpse of the state of Martha's faith, I think. Here's a, here's a faith that speaks of what will be in the future. You see, we have faith, right? And we say, oh, I know God will do great things. And I look forward to that day. That's what Martha was doing. And she's right. She's not wrong in this. Just as we hear in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, right? For the the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Hallelujah, right? No doubt she had, she had heard that truth taught before and had firmly grasped and had great confidence in that truth, that there will be a resurrection from the dead of all those who are in Christ. But that was a future hope, wasn't it? What did that do for her in that day? What what was her present hope? She didn't seem to have one, did she? What about now? She either didn't understand what Jesus was saying or didn't have faith that Jesus could bring about the resurrection of Lazarus even now at that moment. So again, what does Jesus do? He's very gracious, graciously speaks these powerful, these wonderful truths to help Martha grow in her faith, to help grow her up and mature her in her faith, in her present hope. Look at verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. That's profound. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha needed to know more about Jesus, didn't she? She needed to know more about Jesus. So he says to her, not that he can bring about resurrection. Oh, don't worry, Martha. I can bring about resurrection. Don't worry, Martha. I can bring about life. No, he says this profound and powerful statement. I am the resurrection, and the life. In other words, if you have Christ, you have life, right? If you believe in Jesus, you have life. And that resurrection and life in Christ isn't only a future hope, it's a present reality. Do you realize that? Your eternal life began the moment you trusted in Jesus Christ. We're not waiting for some future hope of eternal life. You know, one day I'm going to die, and then I'm going to Lay in the grave for a while, and then one day, that's not how it works. Right? If you know, if you know God's word, you, you say, yes, that's right. We don't, we don't wait for eternal life, do we? If you're Christ, eternal life is yours now. In other words, you have Christ, you have life. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. 
And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Wonderful words. Powerful truths. So, so those who believe in Jesus don't pass from this life to death. They pass from this life to life. That sounds confusing, doesn't it? But that's how it works. We pass from this life on earth to eternal life. We pass from life on earth in Christ to eternal life with Christ. Note the key. The key to all that? Christ, right? It's all in Christ. It's none of me, it's all of Him. He is gracious to forgive, right? When we trust in Him, He saves and He keeps eternally and He gives life. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. You trust in Christ, you're His. You're kept by Him. You are secure. What wonderful words to Martha Jesus spoke that day. And these are, these are powerful truths that, that were not only meant for Martha's sake. You realize that, right? These are meant to speak to your hearts today. To, to help grow you in your present hope also, just as Martha needed to grow in her present hope. This was for the strengthening of Martha's faith. So Jesus says in verse 26, and just as it's for our strengthening, here, listen, this, this question is for you today too. Jesus says to Martha, verse 26, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Verse 27, look at verse 27 and her reply, this this woman, Martha, of growing faith, makes a powerful declaration of truth about Christ. And this is, she's growing. Listen, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. What a wonderful declaration of faith here from Martha. And look at how her statement, I think, points to, to a now I think she's now come to realize a present hope in Christ. First, she says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I believe. She may not be fully grasping what's coming next. And we're going to see the account of Lazarus' resurrection next time, Lord willing. But but she's not limiting now what Christ can do, is she? She says, yes, Lord, I believe. And I think it's interesting here that her statement of belief in the original languages, it indicates a faith that's present and permanent. In, in the original language, it's stated like, I have believed. I have believed. I am believing. It's a, it's a present and permanent faith. She's not thinking anymore about what could have been, is she? She's not thinking anymore about what could have been. She's no longer stuck thinking that God can do it if only Jesus were to ask. And she's not only thinking about what will be in the future. Hers is no empty, uninformed faith either. She has, she has light that has dawned in the midst of darkness, and she sees clearly who Jesus is. No empty, uninformed faith. She shows her present hope when she says, I believe that you, this is present tense, that you are the Christ. I believe that you are the Messiah, in other words, the Son of God who is coming into the world. I believe that you are the Messiah. Indeed, He is God in human flesh. And she says, in effect, you are the long-awaited deliverer. Her faith has grown by leaps and bounds, hasn't it? 
and so must ours. By daily diligence in God's Word, by daily steps of obedience, our faith grows, sometimes by leaps and bounds, sometimes gradually. But by daily diligence in God's Word and by His Spirit, by His Word and Spirit, He works in us a growing faith. Let me ask you a question this morning. You don't have to answer, but I think I know the answer because I know my own heart. Is your faith where you think it should be? Is your faith where you think it should be? Likely not. I know I find my faith is not what it should be at all times. I want you to remember something this morning. Remember this for your own sake. You know, walking with Christ isn't about living in perfection. I'm not excusing your sin, please. Don't hear me say that. Jesus died for our sins, right? He took the punishment for our sins. He took our sins seriously, so should we. But remember this for your own sake. Martha wasn't perfect, was she? Do you notice how patient Jesus was with her? You know, I'm so thankful. He's gracious and patient with me too. How about you? No, I don't think we're all where we should be in our faith. Sometimes we find ourselves lacking in certain areas. But walking with Christ isn't about living in perfection. It's about growing in faith, making progress with Christ, growing in faith, living by faith, faith not only in what what God could have done or will do in the future, but growing faith in what he will do in your life today when you trust him and obey him. Remember that as a believer in Jesus, you're a saved sinner. You're still a sinner, right? But you're a saved sinner. A saint in perfection? No, right? We're not called saints because we're perfect. A saint in Christ? Yes. Christ is working in you. If you will trust him and depend upon him, You're a saint in Christ, not perfect, still dealing with sin. But your life is about growing in your faith, living by faith, walking with Christ by faith. So be patient with yourself as God helps you grow by his word and his spirit. And one more word. Be patient, be gracious when dealing with others. Can we do that? Because God is likely growing them in their faith by his word and his spirit. Can we be patient with one another? Can we be gracious with one another as we, as we look at our own lives and say, you know, I don't think I'm where I ought to be yet. There will be a day when we arrive, right, when we see Christ. We will see him as he is. We'll be like him. Because sin will be gone. But until that day, be patient with yourself as as God is patient with you. But don't stop obeying. Don't stop seeking His truth. And be patient with one another as by His Word and His Spirit, He shapes us and fashions us and grows us in our faith as we walk obediently, faithfully with Him in His Word. Let's pray.
Precious Heavenly Father, how thankful I am for the truths of Your Word. I pray that Your church, that Your people would be deeply grateful, filled with gratitude for for the powerful truth of Your Word at work in our hearts when we yield before You and before Your Word and by Your Spirit You work in us, taking Your truth and using it deep in our own lives to strengthen us, to give us a growing faith, to give us great hope for what's going to happen today in our lives as you strengthen and encourage and provide just what we need. God, I pray, help us to be patient with ourselves as you're patient with us, gracious as you were with Martha. Help us to be gracious with others. Help us to pray for one another. Help us to encourage one another in our faith. Help us to be careful about discouraging one another when we when we're discouraged ourselves, help us to, to look to others for hope and strength and look to your word as we look to the truths of your word and look to those who point us to those truths. Help us to rest in the solid foundation of your truth. Help us to be encouraged by those truths constantly, daily. God, help us to hope in you and hope in your Son. Father, I pray for your people, for your children, that we would all be growing in this measure, a measure of faith growing daily. God, I pray for those this morning who who may be with us hearing these truths and realizing they do not know you as your child. They've never trusted in Jesus Christ. Realizing that, that they too have sins to repent. God, I pray, open their hearts to hear and see the wonderful hope that's theirs when they put their trust in Jesus Christ, repenting, turning from their sin, turning to Jesus in faith, believing in Him, receiving eternal life, salvation, forgiveness of sins. Oh God, help them see, help them to believe, help them to trust as each of us must trust you daily. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.